Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of May 13th, 2021, including Xbox just had a big system update that makes quicker zoom even quicker. The Coalition is now officially moving on from Gears 5. Ubisoft is making money, delaying games, going big on mobile, and more. I was researching something really interesting before I hit record today, and I thought I'd just pass it along to you guys, but were you aware that in Jamaica, a slice of key lime pie goes for about one forty-eight on average, $1.48, whereas in Trinidad, about two thirty-nine for a slice of key lime pie. These are the pie rates of the Caribbean. Did not know that. And welcome, of course, to episode 101 of Xbox On, your weekly Xbox show about all things not related to Xbox. This week, we're going to do what we do every week and jump in with a couple little quick corrections, things I want to address. Uh, we have a handful of them today, things I want to just get out of the way. Um, some podcasts call them housekeeping, which for some reason is a pet peeve of mine. But we will get these things out of the way before we jump into our proper first and most important segment, which is, of course, your comments. But yeah, our first correction or thing I want to bring light to is actually unrelated to Xbox, believe it or not. So this past Tuesday was the last day my SeaWorld annual pass expired, SeaWorld the popular theme park with the whales and everything. So my, my annual pass was expiring, and I'm opting not to renew. And so I, you know, a coworker of mine, a friend of mine at work was like, hey, man, I just got a SeaWorld pass. Yours is expiring. Let's do, like, you know, after work, let's run over to SeaWorld and do, like, a quick, you know, two hours in the park before it closes for the day so you can just get one last little taste of SeaWorld before your pass goes away. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. So we pop into SeaWorld right after work. We just like run straight over. There's about an hour and 40 minutes left before the park closes. And we just try to like, you know, make the most of this time. Like, what are you going to do? Are we going to ride a roller coaster? Are we going to see the whale show? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do before the park closes? And I couldn't help but notice all the ways in which, you know, SeaWorld, for those who don't know, is actually a theme park brand that's been struggling a lot in recent years. They don't do great financially, and they've had a lot of upper management issues with lots of corporate reshuffling, trying to figure out a way to get this these parks back on track. And I couldn't help but notice some really obvious ways in which the park is operating that they could capitalize on you know, certain aspects and make money in ways that could really help turn the business around, but they're just failing. They're leaving that money on the table. And I just want to throw a few out there, especially for any of you who are either A, theme park fans, or B, just people who are familiar with or have been to SeaWorld parks in the past. So the first thing I noticed was this park closes extremely early on a weekday, 6 o'clock. You know, in the evening is a pretty early time for a park to close. What you should do, since that's around dinner time, is just, you know, close the park at 6, but keep, like, your restaurants and your bars and things like that open till 7.38. And that way, you know, the park closes, the rides are down, the shows are over, you can't see the animals, whatever. You could leave the park and go to a restaurant, which is what most of your guests are going to go do, or you could keep your restaurants open and have all your guests flood from your theme park into your restaurants and shops keep that open for an hour or two, you know, get that last round of tables and drinks in and then make a bunch of money on the back end at the end of a day. I, I just don't see why they leave that money on the table. That was the first thing I, I realized because 
you know, the park closed at six. And I was like, man, we could get something to eat here if it were still open. But I guess we got to go find a restaurant off property, which just seems like a big miss on SeaWorld's behalf. That was the smaller thing. The second and more pressing thing I noticed was why the hell does SeaWorld still? I'm, I'm Many of you know the controversy surrounding SeaWorld's whales. So in recent years, they moved away from like making the whales do tricks, the trainers riding on whales and things like that. Now it's a lot more about education. It's like, here are the whales. You get to observe them. You get to see them. We teach you about their natural habitat. We teach you about the animals and you know their role in, in their environment and all that crap. So it's a lot more education-based and whatever. And the thing is, it's like, if you really want to get audiences riled up, you need to go big. The problem is SeaWorld was making these whales do tricks and shit. And people were worried that these whales are basically imprisoned in captivity and they're miserable and their life expectancy is slashed in half because of the way they have to live in these cages, so to speak. And SeaWorld's response was like, oh my God, let's back off, you know, foot off the gas, let's kowtow and, you know, start respecting the animals, give them bigger tanks, don't make them do tricks. I don't think what SeaWorld realizes is that when someone tells you something you don't want to hear, it's just like politics. When someone tells you something you don't want to hear or opposes something you believe or something you do, the answer isn't to listen to the other side and even possibly react in a way that maybe, you know, maybe that potentially shows the other side is right. But I think the answer, the correct thing to do is to double down on what you're doing and go bigger, go crazy. You know, if you're a Republican, don't meet in the middle with Democrats. No, you don't want to do that. You want to go big and bolder and more outrageous. That, that's what I think SeaWorld should do here. So what do I mean by that? Well, I think instead of, you know, trainers not riding on whales and, oh, don't make them do tricks, I think they should go even bigger. So they got, like, this whole little stage at the at the whale show. You know, they got, like, the trainers standing on the platforms talking about the whales. Dude, there's enough space there that you could fit a fucking rock band. So I'm thinking, like, you get Metallica in the center of that stage and they can just play, like, fucking Master of Puppets and shred in front of an audience of thousands. And then you put, like, some devil horns on the whales and you make them, like, learn, like, a synchronized little swim a routine to the music maybe they can do like like some moshing or some thrashing in the water while metallica like fucking shreds on guitar and stuff like that my friend recommended a really great idea he said you could have the whales joust so put the trainers on top of the whales give them jousting spears and then have them you know have the two whales like swim at each other head on full speed and have the fucking trainers try to knock one another off a whale these are amazing ideas and i'm just sitting here thinking you know the purpose of a business is to make money not to not to please people who are worried about the well-being of whales. So if you really want to turn your financial woes around, double down, go harder into the whale shit, you know? Make the whales fight. Fucking put, you know, give them spiky mohawks and put um, sweatbands around their fins and make them, like, fucking brawl out like a goddamn uh, Rocky movie. I don't I don't know what, what, what the example is. The, the point is... If they go hard on the whales, you know, keep the bars open late, keep the restaurants open late so people can get their chicken wings and light lager, you know, keep make the whales fight each other, make the whales mosh around to metal music. I think these are the ways you get people to say, okay, I don't give a shit what Universal's doing. Fucking new Jurassic Park roller coaster, shut up. I don't care what Disney's doing. Fucking new Star Wars land, shut up. SeaWorld's got these fucking whales doing what now? And then you're back in business. Then you got record profits. Then Disney's got a problem, okay? Now they're the ones who got to come back. You know, maybe they finally build a Cars Land here in Florida. I don't fucking know. They got to respond to that because those whales fighting, that's going to draw a, a crowd. Cock fighting for whales. Anyway, that's the first one. The rest of the stuff is all actually video game related. So unfortunately, we have to get back to reality. But our next correction here comes from Lethal Migraine, who mentions something I, I misspoke about with uh, 
IO Interactive last week. He says, IO has three studios in three different countries. They made the development money on Hitman back in under a week. IO is flush with cash, and Xbox have them a bunch of cash to build a game. IO is sitting pretty high right now, but Hitman is taking a small break. Listen to Ryan McCaffrey's unfiltered podcast with IO io interactive ceo and he talks about io so and then also you say fyi io isn't eastern european they're danish okay i first of all that last part i don't know why i always think io is from like poland or something but fair enough you, you got me on that um but anyway i haven't listened to that episode of unfiltered yet i really love that podcast i just that i'm a little behind on that show right now and that one's sitting in my queue uh but yeah this is Lethal Migraine, holding me, holding my feet to the fire here. Misspeaking a little bit on IO. You might remember last week in the news, the rumor going around was that IO is potentially being commissioned by Xbox to do a console exclusive. And I was saying, I don't know how the hell they're doing that, how they're spread so thin and making all these moves. So here comes Lethal Migraine saying, Jesse, do you even read the news? Basically, he's saying, do, do you know what Europe looks like? No, I don't, Lethal Migraine. I don't fucking know what a map. I don't know how to map out Europe. I don't know where IO is. I don't know what games they make. What is this? A fucking video game pod, a video game and geography podcast, Lethal Migraine. But thank you for bringing that. Thank you for holding me accountable. Listen, guys, if you ever hear me say something that's just totally wrong and you know it, don't don't be afraid to just comment in and be like, Jesse, correction. Here's what you said. Here's what's right. Also, you are dumb. Don't don't be afraid to do that. I appreciate it. So thank you, Lethal Migraine. For that and then our next correction thing we want to bring to light this isn't so much a correction just a little bit of hypocrisy i want to just want to say activision in the news this week for um laying off voice actor jeff leach who was a, a voice actor in the call of duty series apparently he played ghost something or other in call of duty modern warfare i played that game's whole campaign i enjoyed that campaign a lot i don't remember who the fuck ghost is but nonetheless i guess there's a guy by the name of Jeff Leach who was a voice actor in a Call of Duty game, and Activision has laid him off for some extremely vile and in like heinously sexist uh, commentary he's been doing. I guess he I guess he Twitch streams or whatever himself playing uh, Warzone, and and someone made a compilation of like all the awful shit he says. So it's it's you know it's that kind of dirty 2007 gamer talk, but like to a really vile extent. I'm not bringing this up to say like oh the poor guy he was just talk he's just smack talking give him a break you know the guy was being absolutely disgusting. I, I watched the compilation and yes yeah he he says some pretty awful stuff and you know in in an isolated condition Activision being like yeah we don't want to work with you you say some really gross things it's like that's fine it's their right to decide that he's responsible for the things he says that's just business whatever I don't care. The only reason I give a shit about this is because I love, I just want to put it out there that this is a daily reminder, just another, yet another reminder that Activision are just absolute cuck lords um, because they only take stances when it's advantageous for themselves and for the company's bottom line. And this is a, just a little friendly reminder. Don't defend corporations. You know, don't side with corporations. Defend individual human beings because Activision can't take a stance against communist China when they're oppressing their own fucking people. But when it comes to like, you know, firing a guy and not working with him because he said some vulgar shit, didn't do vulgar shit, just said some really stupid shit. It's like, oh, fire him. Don't work with him anymore. And again, it's like, listen, in an isolated condition, I'm not against Activision wanting to fire this guy or part ways with him because of his language. I think the guy sounds like a sexist jerkwad and I wouldn't want to do anything to do with him after some of these comments as well. But that being said... Activision has no problem going out there and being like, yeah, this guy uh, is sexist and he's bad for our image and he's bad for our bottom line. Therefore, we don't condone him or his actions or his words when it's easy to blatantly ignore the oppression and violence that China 
enacts onto its own people, uh, Activision's just like whisper quiet because like, oh, we make so much fucking money off China. So we definitely don't want to be in their bad graces. Yes, we will take the Tiananmen Square scene out of the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War trailer. Yes, we will, you know, cancel that one fucking gamer for speaking out against about the Hong Kong protests. That that shit just drives me absolutely nuts. Just a little reminder. This is this is why, you know, all the way back at the beginning of last summer when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening all summer long, someone wrote into the show and asked me what I thought about Xbox and Microsoft and corporations kind of taking a stance and saying something. This is what I'm talking about. This is the perfect example of these companies don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about anything. They don't give a shit about social issues. They don't care about human rights. They don't care about anyone's safety or health or quality or fairness or anything. They don't give a shit about any of that. They care about money. So, you know, when something happens like asshole says really sexist shit on the internet, they're like, okay, that makes us look good if we, if we, if we fire that guy and decide to part ways with him. So they do it, but it's like, uh, speak out against a a communist nation that's hurting its own people. Uh, well, we make a lot of fucking money off of that and we wouldn't want to poke the bear. So let's just keep quiet on that or let's cancel our own fucking guy in in an attempt to protect our, our relationship with this other country. So it's just, it's. This is why I don't, why like anytime a company tries to make a statement or say something about, or about like Asian awareness month or whatever, it's like, I, I can't be bothered to give a shit whether what they're saying is inherently good or bad, because no matter what the tone of it is or what the words say, it's all just falling on deaf ears to me. So fuck you, Activision. Just a, j- a daily reminder. Fuck you, Activision. You suck balls. Bobby Codex, a piece of shit. And uh, also I'm probably going to buy the next Call of Duty that uh, Treyarch develops because I'm also a piece of shit. And then our last correction I just want to bring up here, just because I'm not going to put this in the news and, and someone might ask me why we didn't talk about this in the news, but yes, there's that story going around this week about the former 343 Industries, not employee, he was a like a, a, a contract worker and, and he worked on Halo Infinite extensively and Jason Schreier wrote a whole thing and took a lot of things he said out of context about how work conditions were bad, crunch in the game it crunch in the studio the development has been a mess since covid halo infinite isn't really coming along a lot of the game's original 10 has been cut and chopped off and and left out of the game because of too ambitious of a of a original vision and goal for the game unable to make good on their original promise this game's kind of in development hell trouble 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 and that was kind of the story running around for about 48 hours before the actual guy who said this shit came out and was like yo all that information was taken out of context and uh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, play the game yourself and find out you know, what you think. I just want to put this out there. These kinds of stories give me headaches. I hate the he, sh- he said, she said kind of nature of them. And I just want to say this. Famously, when Bungie was developing Halo 2, that game was nothing but it was just the ultimate story of the time of development hell. That game was basically just not coming together and then they scratched a bunch of it and then famously in the last eight months of development they pulled that game together and as we all know halo 2 is regarded as like the best halo of all not my personal favorite halo but the best halo of all time for most halo fans so again you know especially if you're one of those halo cuck lord fanboys who's just like fuck everything after halo 3 halo 2 for life I wish uh, I wish Evanescence was in the halo soundtrack again you know and, and if you're one of those people just keep in mind you know Wait for the game to be, come out, wait to play it, see what the game is actually like, and then we'll go and we'll figure out from there what's going on. But in the meantime, you know, it's just, I feel like there's, there's really, there's just two, 
two stories going on with Halo Infinite right now. It's it's this game is in trouble. It's a piece of shit. Three four three sucks. They can't handle the franchise. They need to be removed from Halo. Everything's doom and gloom. That. Or it's like, man, I'm really optimistic about Halo Infinite. If it doesn't pay my car insurance and put my kids in college, it's it sure will be a, a total fucking flop, right? And I just, this whole, like, the highest stakes, you know, of all time. It's like, shut the fuck up. Also, just the fact that Microsoft now owns Bethesda and Xbox Game Studios has grown so big and Game Pass is so big and all, all these other factors. It's like, a lot of the pressure can kind of come off 343's shoulders at this point because it's like, dude... All Halo Infinite needs to be to be a good game is to just be a really fucking fun Halo game. It doesn't matter what changes they make or what things are there or aren't there or how, you know, what old features return, what new features are introduced. As long as the core essence of the game, you know, the spirit of the gameplay and everything feels like Halo, as long as Master Chief is still a cool character and you get to shoot Covenant and and, and Banished and it's fun or whatever, who gives a shit? Like, that's all Halo... Like, and that's coming from a diehard Halo fan who gives a shit about the story and someone who defends Halo 5's story. It's like, as long as the gameplay is fun and it feels like Halo and it's cool, who gives a shit? But here we are putting, you know... We're putting, like, the the bomb diffuser pressure on 343 here. Like, just make sure, you know, cut the wrong wire and everyone dies, basically. But it's a, it's a video game, so it's embarrassing. So that's... Those are all the corrections, things I wanted to address at the top of the show. Now, guys, let's just jump right into the comments... You know where they come from. They go YouTube.com. You go over to Second Best Gaming YouTube page. You find the Xbox on Playlist. You go to the latest episode. You leave a comment. You say, Jesse, congrats on episode 100. You did it. Or you say something mean like, Jesse, 100 weeks and you still haven't gotten the hint. No one wants to hear your stupid podcast. Either way, I'll read the comment because I appreciate you taking the time to write in. So that's what you got to do if you want to comment. Otherwise, let's just jump right in. Our first batch of comments come from a couple people who want to, you know, speaking of episode 100, say some nice things about episode 100. Sarugi1, our moderator, and quite possibly our podcast daddy, says, this place definitely feels like a community. I don't normally interact or comment on podcasts I listen to, but the whole vibe and feeling of your show and the way you just talk about whatever the fuck you want, it's a wholesome, welcoming feeling of being with friends and family. This place is my people. Thanks for putting in the long hours each and every week. Struggy, that comment actually really means a lot, especially coming from you because you're one of the OGs, and I and I, I really appreciate that, that kindness, uh, especially also because... I'm like you, and I've said in the past, like, I I don't typically comment on the shows I listen to. Uh, my favorite podcast I've been listening to avidly for eight years now, and I've never, ever, ever left a comment on, you know, to, to be read on the air. I've, like, replied to tweets and stuff, but I've never... I've never tried to get right on air. And here I am every week on my show begging you guys to interact. Please rate me on iTunes. Five stars, by the way. Uh, please leave comments on YouTube. Interact, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, I'm a fucking hypocrite because I never do it, even on my favorite shows. So the fact that you take the time to be a part of this community and write in really means a lot to me. And I think you're right. I think that's, that, that is what I love about this show as well is it's a, it's a, it's less about like, Oh, Jesse's an insider with good news about Xbox. Cause I think as we can all agree, like my, my, my takes, my hot takes on Xbox and the world of Xbox are about as good as anyone else's, you know, it's like who, who gives a shit. But what really makes this show fun is, is the fact that we all uh, love Taco Bell. So thank you for that, Sarugi. And then a splodge sploge, still really need to tell me how it's pronounced, says, 100 episodes is more years than I have ever lived, so that's pretty cool. Anyways, I just want IO to make a Project 007 uh, game, and then my life dreams will finally be fulfilled. Well, boy, do I have good news for you. Um, And then Arctic Chief 
writes in and says, 100 episodes. I came in last October, but I felt like I've been here longer. I've always... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I've always looked forward to Thursdays since they're my Fridays. I work Monday through Thursdays. That's a nice job. Uh, But even better, it's because Thursday mornings, I get into Spotify and I listen in. I love the show, all the topics, and like you said as well, it's nice to connect with people who not only like Xbox, but also Star Wars, Disney, Taco Bell. I had to stop by my Taco Bell, or you say I had to stop by my T-Bell. I like that you're... You got some cool names for it. T-Bell to see if I could order a chicken crunch wrap supreme. And yeah, they let me do it. Now I can order something else other than my favorite cheesy gordita crunch. Arctic Chief, let me let you in on a little secret. Just because Burger King says it doesn't mean they're the only ones that do it. But you can go to Taco Bell. You can go to any great fast food restaurant. You can go to McDonald's. You can go to what's another good fast food restaurant. You can go Popeye's. You can go any of the any of the greats. And they will let you have it your way. You just got to tell them the modifications you need to be made. You tell them no ketchup because you don't believe in the devil. You tell them chicken instead of beef because, let's be honest, it's just a superior meat. These are the kinds of things you can do in your fast food drive through experiences, and they'll let you have it your way. Don't let Burger King trick you into thinking they're the only ones because they're not. But thank you so much, Arctic Chief, for writing in. Again, same thing. I really appreciate that feedback. I really appreciate um, your kindness. And to everyone who's just been a part of the show, we're not going to get sappy now. I did that last week, but it really, really means a lot to uh, to me that you guys are here and partaking the show and being a part of it. Because honest to God, the show would really, really suck if there were no comments. And then uh, speaking of new comments, we have two new commenters. Our first one coming from uh, Tadi Vasilev. Oh, my God. Tati, I'm so sorry. My my pronunciation is absolute ass. So my you know if I offended you with my my butchering of your name, please do feel free to write in, say a mean comment back. You can butcher my name, it doesn't matter. But you say start music at the end of episode, and congratulations. But how does it feel to waste a nice chunk of your time recording a podcast for people that hate Sunset Overdrive and never taste a Taco Bell? Laughing emoji. Jokes aside, you deserve all the love and praise, but it's time for a real question. I've always wondered, how do people spend their money? You seem like a person that likes to demolish his credit card for useless stuff that you bought on the first, in the first place because you thought it was cool. I'm just like that. You speak a lot about Pokemon. Do you collect the, t- uh, the trading card game cards? Sorry, the TCG cards, which trading card game... Uh, or do you have expensive hobbies, video games excluded? I'd be happy if you discuss that in the next episode. Okay, Tati, this is a great question. Uh, I'm mildly offended, but also I, it's it's a really good comment, and I enjoy it a lot because this is exactly the kind of stuff we need as an excuse to derail the show. But no, first let me let me defend my my financial habits, my my spending habits a bit. I like to think of myself as pretty fiscally responsible. I work hard in my middle of the road job to. Uh, you know, pay my rent and, and save for the future and everything like that. My girlfriend and I are trying to currently save for our first home right now. So I try to be good with my money. I, I understand, you know, I'm an American. I understand how this works. You know, today I could be doing great. Tomorrow I could get in a minor car accident and survive, but also be financially totally fucking ruined for the rest of my life because that's the world we live in, or at least the country I live in. And so I, you know, I, I, I am a very worrisome person. Like I'm constantly concerned that something's going to go wrong. So I, I put a big emphasis on myself to save a lot of money and to try to be smart with my purchasing decisions. That being said, the hobbies I do have are all god awful hobbies that like to suck a lot of fucking money. So I, I will say, like, when I'm alone, I can be incredibly controlled. I can go to a theme park by myself and have a full day at Disney and spend like $10 or less, you know, like zero to $10 
full day all by myself and have a great time. I, I'm that kind of guy. I can be really good with my money. But the second I get around people, like when I'm hanging out with friends or if I'm with my girlfriend, then all of a sudden it gets a little shaky. I, I try and try and try. Like my thing, a big thing for me is like, especially when it comes to like, like frivolous things like alcohol or excessive eating. It's like, don't do that shit in public. It's just a big old excuse to waste money. I don't, I don't really do that. But when you're with friends, that's where it can get a little tricky. That's where it's like, oh man, you want to walk around Epcot and buy an $11 beer that's $4 at Publix? It's like, eh, okay. So that's the kind of stuff that gets me in trouble a little bit. But I will say, I find gaming to personally be a pretty affordable hobby for the most part. Like, this is going to sound a little hypocritical because I just recently spent money on like accessories for my Xbox. But generally, I'm not the kind of person that spends money on these things. Like, my previous gaming headset I had for pretty much a decade. I've been using the same external hard drive on my Xbox for almost a decade. I've been, you know, I, I, I usually buy a total of two controllers over the lifespan of a console. I never upgraded to an Xbox One uh, X. I kept the Xbox One from the minute it came out till the Xbox Series X came out. So I try to be, you know, a lot of games, like for example, Resident Evil Village just came out. It looks really good. I want to play it. I'm going to wait till that's a $20, $30 game because I know myself well enough to know that's not a $60 purchase for me. That's a $20, $30 purchase. So I like to think I'm pretty good with money. You know, I, I know how to say no to a Steam sale every now and then. But yes, there are times where I can be a little bad. So yes, uh, as for Pokemon... I. I didn't realize I mentioned Pokemon so much, but thanks for making me self-conscious about it. But more, joking aside, no, I don't. I don't currently collect Pokemon cards. When I was a kid, I absolutely did, and somewhere I still have. I think with me. I think I brought it with me when I moved to Florida. But I have a shoebox full to the top of like tons and tons and tons of Pokemon cards that were either acquired from years of collecting or trading with friends and things like that, or taking my brother's collection when he outgrew Pokemon cards and just passed them down to me. So I have, I have literally hundreds of Pokemon cards somewhere in storage right now. Um, but I don't currently collect. I probably haven't. I think the last time I bought a deck of Pokemon cards or pack of Pokemon cards was probably sometime in early high school. And even then, like I had really mostly fallen out by like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. So no, I don't currently collect Pokemon cards, but I do have other kinds of stupid collections like that. Like, for example, when Disney Infinity was a thing a few years ago, that game, the Toys to Life game that uh, Disney was doing, I bought like every fucking figure, every disc, every little add-on, every piece. That was a huge money sink for me. When Amiibo first came out in like 2014, that was a huge money sink for me. I have almost every, every character in the Smash Brothers lineup, and then luckily I fell out of giving a shit about Amiibo, and thank God I did because they're functionally useless and they don't stop making them. And so that would be miserable if I were still into that. But yes, I, I have my things. I collect Mountain Dew cans, so uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I Yes, my hobbies can be expensive. Theme parks in general, though, I'll end with this. Theme parks in general are just inherently a, an expensive hobby. And that's the thing. I, I think gaming, for the most part, you know, relative to, you know, I don't know what I need to do in order to be a financially responsible adult. I find video games to be a pretty fair, fairly priced hobby. Like people will bitch. Oh, the Xbox series X is a $500 console. That's so expensive. It's like, listen, man, if the Xbox series X is going to get me like six to eight years of entertainment, and it's going to keep me trapped inside my apartment on Friday and Saturday nights, playing video games on the TV, instead of going out to restaurants and eating or going out to movie theaters and spending $14 on a goddamn ticket. You know, if the Xbox series X is going to keep me from doing that shit for six to eight years, 
I will say $500 is actually an insane value for an Xbox. So I, again, I, I find video games to be pretty reasonably priced, but theme parks, there's no way around it. Theme parks are just stupid expensive. Like you got to buy your annual pass. You know, like I, I, I moved here for Disney. You know, I, I've said other passes will come and go right now. I'm not doing SeaWorld. I'm going to stay away from SeaWorld for a couple of years if I can. I'm going to, you know, I, but recently I re I renewed universal after saying I wasn't going to go back there for a while. I caved in, but Disney's the one I'll always have a Disney pass. I don't give a shit. You know, if I lose the house and and, 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 and and sued into oblivion and file for bankruptcy, I will always have a fucking pass to Walt Disney World. Always. So that's expensive because Disney's just extremely overpriced. Tickets are expensive. Food's expensive. Hotels are expensive. I don't really get hotels because I live 10 minutes down the road now. But, you know, just in general, being a Disney fan is expensive. Souvenirs expensive. But again, when it comes to theme parks, it's, I'm kind of the same way I am with video games. My weakness is food. Food is where I like to spend money because when it comes to like... You know, like Disney, there's like pin collecting is a big thing. People love to buy the the Funko Pops and the T-shirts and the all the kind of merchandise and the 2,000 different Magic Bands. I like to buy myself a little souvenir every now and then, but it's very rare. I'm, I have almost no problem going up to merchandise at Disney and be like, that's really cool. I like that. I'm not going to buy that. And just like feeling no qualms about it. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. My problem is food. My problem is like if I walk by a place, I'm like, oh, they changed the menu over at Oh, you're saying Sunshine Seasons changed the menu and now they got a pulled pork and macaroni sandwich served on on Texas toast. I mean, fuck, yeah, I'm going to go drop 11.79 on this sandwich real quick at Epcot because you're not going to not do that. So, food is definitely my weakness. My my dream in life is to dine at every Disney restaurant in the world and I'm I'm working towards it. It's my thing and man, I just there are like you don't understand. There are literally hundreds of eating options at Walt Disney World, and I barely scratched the surface. And I constantly eat at Disney, so that that would be my I don't respect my credit card or my finances kind of thing would be the eating food at theme parks thing. That's that's the thing for me. But I'd say most other hobbies, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty responsible. I'll say. Look at that. You got me talking for like an hour again about stupid shit. So thank you for writing in. Thank you for that question. Anyone else want to chime in on that? I think that's a fun question, so I do appreciate that. Now, next comment is from Hunter F. This is actually one of my really good friends uh, who's never written in to the show before. Actually, it's not entirely true. I read something he wrote once, but it technically wasn't a YouTube comment, so I'm, it's a technicality. But first time commenting, good friend of mine, Hunter, who writes in and says, Hey, Jesse, first time commenting despite listening since day one. Well, Hunter, I just said that. I just said that, Hunter. Why are you repeating me? Anyway... Hey man, I just wanted to say I'm super proud of you for the show. It's awesome hearing your hearing you evolve as a podcast host and the show finding its footing. Your success is warranted and it shows. That that's very kind of you, Hunter. I, I appreciate that. I'll I'll forgive you for the redundancy since that was such a sweet thing of you to say. Now you continue on with I wanted to drop a line about second extinction. I like dinosaurs, like a lot. So this game already had a lot of goodwill coming from me. However, this game is currently unplayable from crashing during online play, even with even with all team members on a Series X. It was massively disappointing to get disconnected during three major boss battles, and because I was the host, I couldn't rejoin the game once the game failed. It was the first time I hate uninstalled a game in a while. What a bummer. Well, Hunter, this is actually really... This this is actually disheartening for me to hear because I know you were excited for this game, and I was, you know... While, you know, last week I was talking about how I personally was really disappointed in this game and am not enjoying it and have no intention of going back to it. I was really hoping that wouldn't be the case for you. I was really hoping this game would would find its footing for you. But 
obviously you've run into a different kind of problem, you know, other than like the gameplay just not being your type of thing, because it seems like you were either enjoying it or trying to find out if you liked the game to begin with, but the game was doing that classic, I won't let you find out if I'm worth your time or not, because it was crashing on you. So that sucks. The, the, I played, I tried this game three different, on three different occasions and only one of them did I play with other people, but I, I never had a single technical issue with this game at all. So that's, that's, interesting uh, I obviously everyone you know different experiences sometimes when games are bugging shit you know only some users experience problems with it so that's not you know that's not unheard of it really sucks to hear that that was your experience because of all my complaints of this game of which I had a, a good amount at no point did I experience any technical issues or game breaking bugs or crashes or anything like that so it really does suck to hear that that was your experience but hopefully this game gets its shit together and maybe in the future you know if it's lucky you might give it you might get you might give it another chance maybe after all like you said you like dinosaurs a lot so you know you are what you eat dinosaur <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means but thank you for writing in, Hunter. I appreciate hearing from you as always. <laughs> Next up, we got a comment about Re Resident Evil Village. Of course, the, the newly released Resident Evil game this past week. Corey Long writes in and says, Congratulations on the 100th episode. I wanted to chime in about Resident Evil Village. Possibly spoilers. I'll keep it vague. We are 10 hours in and it's pretty great. God damn, you spoiled the whole fucking game, Corey. Cancel the show. No. You said we're, the, the, we're 10 hours into the game. Pretty great. Anyway, the first person orientation really helps keep you in the game. It's scary and well built. Just one thing to gripe about. There are some puzzles that could be solved much faster if I could just reach in the game and do it with my hand. Does, does that make sense? Go go grab this, put it here, go get something else and next step and same thing and you're doing it, whatever. You know, errands, whatever. Just let me use my character's fingers and grab instead of finding tweezers in a mansion. Also, I wasn't sure I liked the whole bad guy chasing you aspect, but you gotta hand it to him. I couldn't imagine having fun running away from anyone other than the lady. The Lady D. Is that her name, Lady D? I don't I don't know. I, I've gone blackout on this game. I, I stopped watching demos and trailers and things. I know it's a game I want to try. I'll wait till it's on sale one year and then probably play it around Halloween time, so that's I'm I'm not paying attention to it anymore, but I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it, but I, I think that's an interesting comment because that's something I don't think about a lot in games, but that is a pretty interesting uh, gripe. I, I see what you're saying. It's like, like I can imagine like a scenario where it's like, oh man, I need to grab this item, but it's in this cage and the cage has little slits or something. So I need to go find something that I can use to reach into the cage and grab it because I don't have, or I don't, I don't fucking know, like some, some example like that. And, and then the game is like, oh, objective, find tweezers or something to reach in there. And you're like, if this were real life, I could just fucking put my hands in there and kind of like reach in and grab it or, you know, the, the ways we could potentially interact with something differently ha if it were real life versus the limitations of what a game presents you with. I, I think that's a that's a fun concept. And honestly, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you can drive yourself fucking nuts with it because it will break every game for you. So I encourage you not to think about it too much. But that is I, I, I like that comment because it is it is a fun way to think about games, especially if you want to frustrate yourself. But nonetheless, glad to see you're enjoying Resident Evil. Also wanted to read that comment because obviously because I'm not going to be playing the game anytime soon. I want to give that game some kind of coverage, some kind of acknowledgement as it's a really big game that just came out. And at least you're playing it so we can talk about it to some extent because God knows I'm not. Now next, we got to jump into our topic from the other week about childhood game memories because some of you commented in with uh, some of your you know games that inspired you or that raised you to some extent. Sarugi says, yeah, and that's right, two Sarugis in one week. 
Childhood games. Hmm. First game I remember vividly was Super Mario Land for the original Game Boy. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, Spyro 2, and the Metal Gear and Siphon Filter series. So many fond memories. I also spent five years between Classic RuneScape and World of Warcraft. Great times. Sarugi... I love this comment because I'm like, wow, I can this the the acknowledgement of like Super Mario Land, Final Fantasy VII, Spyro 2 and Metal Gear and Siphon Filter like that. That list of games just reminds me of my childhood because either I grew up playing those games or I grew up around brothers that were really into those games. For example, like my brothers all really loved Final Fantasy VII. I've still never played it, but I've always had a lot of exposure to that game because when you're a kid, you're just really involved in the stupid shit your brothers are doing. And that is a game I've just seen so many times. I've just watched so many times, but never played it myself. But all those games, you know, whether it's something I have played like Mario or Spyro or something that my brothers were really big into, like Siphon Filter or Final Fantasy, it just that something about those com- this comment really sticks me squarely in like 1998, 1999. Uh, but at the same time, you mentioned World of Warcraft. And for that, I'm going to have to dock you three points for being a nerd. So... Sarugi, but you did play RuneScape, and RuneScape was for OGs, so Sarugi, thank you for writing in with that. My brother, Josiah, writes in and says, Big Childhood Games, Spyro 3, oh, look at that, Sarugi, he won up to you with the next Spyro game. Uh, Final Fantasy 9, oh, look at that, he won up to you again, Sarugi, Final Fantasy 9 over 7. Hmm. Warcraft 3, okay, he's going back, so you say World of Warcraft, he says Warcraft 3. Doom on the Game Boy Advance, that's that's a funny one that I remember you playing a lot. Uh, whatever you were playing, and above all, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the good one, and you all know what the good one is. Funny enough, when I think about childhood games, I instantly think of the first Resident Evil, but I didn't really play it when I was young, I was too much of a bitch. This is funny, because I'm only now realizing this with the two comments kind of next to each other. That Sarugi's like Spyro 2, my brother's like Spyro 3. Sarugi's like Final Fantasy 7, my brother's like Final Fantasy 9. Sarugi's like World of Warcraft, my brother's like Warcraft 3. That's really funny to me how those are just like total coincidence. Although you guys both commented on the same day, so it is possible that one of you saw the other's comment and then got inspired to to mess around with the order a little bit. I don't know. But, I, hey, maybe it's just a big coincidence. Maybe a lot of people are super nostalgic for the combination of Spyro the Dragon, Final Fantasy, and Warcraft. But I doubt it. It just seems like a coincidence, but nonetheless, I think that's a fun one. But yeah, that's a shout out to Star Wars Battlefront 2, the good one. Is that is that the name of the game? Is it like Call of Duty, the big red one? Or is it like Star Wars Battlefront 2, the good one? Or are you talking, of course, about Star Wars, ba- Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PS2 and Xbox, not Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PS4 and Xbox One? Because we all know what the good one is. Now, next... We're going to jump into some comments regarding Stadia, Game Pass, and X-Boners. Mr. Miggy jumps in and says, I get why people say Stadia is dead, but from playing games like Doom Eternal on it, they'd be foolish to let it die. Games like that look native on it. Chicken Chalupa Supreme with guac instead of sour cream is amazing. Thank you for your self-help explanation. What's funny is I just found the website you're using, which is, of course, Udemy. That's a plug. They do not sponsor me. Congrats on episode 100. Four more until the two-year anniversary. Don't forget to celebrate with cake. All right, Sarugi, a couple things to gripe on here. First of all, you're defending Stadia, but then you say you're going to put guac instead of sour cream on your chicken chalupa. So you're basically, you know, in this instance, Stadia is to guac what Game Pass is to sour cream or xCloud is to sour cream. And... I guess what I really mean by that is I'm a huge sour cream over guac fan, so fuck right off, Mr. Miggy. Listen, if you want to add guac in addition to your sour cream, that's one thing, because I like guac. Don't get me wrong, guacamole is good shit. But you're going to remove the sour cream and replace it with guac? That's like saying, oh man, you know know what what sucks about Avengers? Um, Captain America 
You know what's good about Avengers? Iron Man. And you're like, they should get rid of Iron Man and replace him with Captain America. And Marvel's like, hey, dumbass. What if we do Captain America and Iron Man in the same fucking movie? And Mr. Miggy, right now you're being that guy. You're, you're being like, why? we can't have both. We can only have one. And that was an awful ex- explanation. It makes literally no sense. That was a terrible analogy. I should be fired for it. But the point is still made that just because guacamole tastes good doesn't mean sour cream has to be removed from the equation. And therefore, just because Google Stadia looks good and runs good and games are nice on it doesn't mean Google isn't inept as shit and going to cancel because that's what they do with everything they do. You know, that's what Google's all about. It's a search engine. It's a shitty tablet operating system for kids in school. It's a, it's it's the guys that bought YouTube and made it slightly worse than it, than it was, but it's still great because it's YouTube. They're the really shitty people that did so well in the mobile space that Microsoft couldn't jump in late and still succeed despite the fact that it's Microsoft's fault Windows Phone failed and I won't let that happen again. Mr. Miggy, the point I'm trying to make here is that if guac belongs in your chicken chalupa supreme over sour cream then I don't give a shit what you have to say about Stadia. Because Stadia is dead, and Game Pass is better, and xCloud is better. Not Game Pass, because Game Pass isn't cloud streaming, xCloud is cloud streaming. But at the end of the day, no matter how good Stadia is or isn't, the fact of the matter is, just like Windows phones, what we're going to learn here is that consumers don't care about what's better, they care about what wins the game of optics, what wins the game of marketing. It's just like how Xbox One is technically a better console than PS4, in my opinion. But that's a factual thing to say. That is objectively true. It doesn't matter because PlayStation won the optic war. And so PS4 is better than Xbox because optics matter more than actual specs. So Stadia might run and look better than, than Project xCloud. I don't know. I've never used Stadia, admittedly. But again, Windows Phone was better than iOS. Windows Phone was better than Android. It was. You never used it? Take my word for it. It was. But iOS won the battle. Android won the battle. It's about optics and popularity, not about performance and specs. And this is why Xbox fundamentally fails, is because Xbox gets out there and says, the most powerful console ever made, so much backwards compatibility, power your dreams, we're giving players all the access to all the features because we love our gamers. Who gives a shit? At the end of the day... It's a popularity contest. PlayStation doesn't win because they're the most powerful. They win because they're the coolest. PlayStation wins because they smoke cigarettes and they don't give a shit if the gym coach sees it. Xbox is lame. Stadia's dead. And put your fucking sour cream back on your chicken chalupa supreme and eat it like a goddamn man. That was sexist. Sarugi writes in and says, whether or not Game Pass makes money is irrelevant. Microsoft is in growth mode and Satya Nadella has, from memory, 5% of his bonus tied to Game Pass in some way, so it's not going away anytime soon. The old saying goes, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Game Pass is one hell of a horse, in my opinion. Well said, Sarugi, but what I'd really like to focus on here is that that is your third comment of the week. What did we do to deserve three Sarugi comments in one week? Sarugi, please. We are not worthy. Thank you for that third comment. And I think that was a really good way, short and sweet, you know, of of making that point. I could learn a thing or two. Uh, Squad flips Mad Max squeezes in you know we talked about we've talked about the stadia talked about the game pass time to get to those x boners squad flips mad max says kicking in a late day watching your fabulous episode 100 having a mountain dew code red and some double deckers i'll have to refute your whole xbox game pass argument though it's profitability it is profitable and makes them millions of dollars per month they already made it back blah 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 we're not we're not getting squall i appreciate you writing in about this you're awesome i really appreciate you 
And also, I'm jealous of you because you had double-deckers, whatever the fuck that means, with a Mountain Dew Code Red, which I love. But to be honest with you, we got to stop. And this is my fault. I'm the one who keeps bringing it up every week. We got to stop with the Game Pass profitability because I have a weird feeling that somewhere out there in the audience, someone's a little irritated that we won't shut up about this. So I'm going to have to cut you off there. It's not your fault. It's mine. But you're going to have to suffer for it anyway because that's, that's the way this shit works. So thank you for writing in. Squall, next week we're gonna get your comment. That's again, if you choose to, if you choose to write in, it's your your body, your choice. You do what you want to do. But uh, in the meantime, if you're looking for something to keep you busy, Squall, head on over to iTunes and rate the star, rate the show five stars, please and thank you. Now Mojo rounds us out with the last comment of the day and says, also don't care about Microsoft making money or not. And, th- and this is why I want to round out with this is because it kind of it kind of cements what I should have said weeks ago instead of continuing to drag this story out. So Mojo says. Also, don't care about Microsoft making money or not making money on the Series X platform or if it's better than PS5 or whatever. I'm just happy with Xbox, and I feel that it's easier It's easier accessibility for what I like. X-Boners for life. And then he doesn't... Mojo doesn't do this, but I assume he does that, like, surfer thing where, like, he gets his index middle and ring finger down but sticks out his thumb and pinky and does, like, the, the shaka, like, saw, bro. You know, like, the surfer guy thing. He shakes his... Shakes his wrist. So I assume you did that at the end, but you didn't You didn't tell us whether or not you did. So Mojo, if you don't care, then I don't care. If you don't care, then Squad Flips Mad Max doesn't care. If you don't care, then I think we should all be cool and adopt a no-care attitude. And with that said, that's going to do it for this week's comments, shout-outs. And, and remember, don't be shy. Reply. Or don't. I don't care. I'm cool as a cucumber. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before we can talk about what I've been playing, I must tell you about what I've been eating. Guys, what I've been eating, two things we need to talk about real quick. So this past weekend, speaking of being bad with my money and eating uh, restaurant food too much. So there's this restaurant here in the Orlando area. It is a local Japanese izakaya ramen bar type of small plates place. One of those like cool, uh, really ideal for hip kids and, 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 and weeby kids and kids who like pop culture and anime and you know it's, it's like one of those places where the cool kids go to have a bowl of ramen and feel cultured and it's called Susuru and I, this place has been on my list of like restaurants that aren't at Disney World that I still want to try it's been on that list for a very long time and I've been really wanting to get around to it so my girlfriend was in the mood for ramen this past weekend I mentioned it in passing fully expecting that we wouldn't go and then she was like you know what just got my second COVID shot. I think we'll fucking do it. Let's do it. So I was like, fuck it. We're, we're making this happen. So we made, we pulled the trigger. You know, we decide we're finally going to go check this place out. We get there the minute they open because they don't let you make reservations at this place. We get there the minute they open. And we're going to be like, oh, we're going to be those assholes who are like the first table the second they open. And we're not even going to give the servers like a second to breathe before we're just like sitting at a table waiting for them to serve us. Like, I don't want to be that table, but fuck it. We're going to be that table right now. So we get there like the minute they open and we walk up to the door and realize there's a massive line from the host stand all the way out the restaurant. Like, what the fuck? Apparently this place, because they don't take reservations and because they're so popular, this place has a habit every day of just getting a massive fucking line from, from before they open up. People form a line outside the restaurant before it even opens to get on the wait list. And so like, we're like, it feels like we're only like the fifth or sixth party in line, but I guess we're not. And by the time we get to the host stand, you know, there's only like three tables sat. They've literally been open for like four or five minutes. And the hostess is like, yeah, um, right now for a party of two, it's going to be a two hour wait. I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, whatever, you know, we're trying to make good of it. 
I was I was being a little bit of a bitch. Was not not to the not to the staff, but like just kind of like to myself. I was being a little whiny, like I don't want to wait. I want to go to Disney, and my girlfriend was all like, oh, I want to try this place. And so whatever, we we try to be big kids about it. We went away. We're like, okay. Uh, they said the Texas winter table's ready, so we waited out. Okay. So initially, my my impression is like, dude, waiting two fucking hours for this kind of restaurant when like I used to work in a restaurant like this, and we never even had waits like this. Like this better be like. God tier food. Like this better be like super next level. And like you go online and all the reviews are like, oh my God, this place made me come in my mouth. I'm like, okay, 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 well, wait. So we finally get sat, you know, and no no disrespect to the staff. Literally everyone that worked there was super sweet. Every, every single person we interacted with that worked in that building was super awesome. Uh, our server was especially really awesome. But like, fuck me, man. Like we, we sit down, I'm like, whatever. I'm just excited to be here. And we just, I'm like, because of what a long wait it is to get a table here, I'm probably just going to eat here once, order everything on the menu I think sounds good, and then never come back because, you know, I want to I want to try everything, but I don't want to do this wait again, so we'll just do a one and done. And so we ordered hard. I got, like, yakitori, which is, like, Japanese grilled meats. We got, like, hamachi kama, which is, like, the, the yellowtail collar on, smoked on the wariyaki grill. We got the fucking ramen bowl. We did everything. And this place, like, depending on the dish, ranged from, like, pretty good to, like, pretty disappointing like and and you're gonna say well jesse you were salty because you waited two hours of course you're gonna be disappointed there's no way i could live up to that expectation i promise you this has nothing to do with the weight like this place is so it's it's good listen if this were the kind of place you could just walk up to get a table at any point in time and and you know get a good meal for like 12 bucks i'd be like that place is awesome that's that's it's not the best but like for what it is it's good but the fact that it's like you gotta wait two hours for a table and then it's just like pretty like middle of the road Japanese food that that left me with like, OK, that that's not worth it. That's not worth it. You know, it's like if, if I could make a reservation, if that's the kind of place I could be like on a Monday, make a res- reservation for like a Saturday night. Sure, I'd go back. But like to know I had to fight that crowd and do that wait again just for like the world's most middle of the road bowl of ramen or like pork belly skewers that taste basically just like regular bacon and not really like like true yakitori pork belly. No, we're not doing it. So Susuru, you very much disappointed me. You weren't bad. I think that place is incredibly fairly priced. The food is pretty fair price-wise. The atmosphere is fun. The people that work there are awesome. Really good time. I don't regret eating there, but I don't want to go back. And that makes me sad because one of the big struggles of moving to Orlando for me has been, and for my girlfriend as well, has been finding good Asian food. There's not a lot of great options here if you're looking for like, legit Korean food, Vietnamese food, Japanese food, Chinese food in particular, really awful Chinese food here. Uh, and that's and, 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 and it, it wasn't made better this week as a result of having tried this place. So a little disappointed in that. Got to get that off my chest. But no disrespect to the restaurant. So the, I mean, to the people at the restaurant, just uh, I, I, I will continue to search for the perfect bowl of ramen. I've really been struggling to find like a really amazing bowl of ramen since I moved here. And that's, that's what's breaking my heart the most. Now, the other thing I want to bring up, and this is a quick one, something that came up at my work the other day, we got this new guy at work. Okay. And this guy has the audacity to say, you know, I don't know what the conversation was or how we got here, but essentially says mini M&Ms are dumb and they're basically the same as regular M&Ms, just mini. They're for people with small, he says they're for people with small hands. Guys, do I report the new guy to HR? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? Because anyone who's anyone knows 
mini M&Ms are completely different from regular M&Ms because you get more shell. The, the ratio of shell to chocolate is totally off. It's totally different. It's a different flavor profile for a different specified palate for a different individual. The person who wants the chocolate overload is going to go for the classic M&M because it's got a bigger ratio of chocolate to shell. But the mini M&Ms is so overloaded with shell that it's like the chocolate is like complimentary. So it's just, it's a different dynamic. It's for, like I said, it's for a different palate. It's for a different user. But this man has the audacity to say the, the mini M&Ms are just M&Ms smaller. Stupid. It's for people with small hands. And to that, I just have to say, mini M&Ms have been, over, have been around for over 20 years. Do you think the Mars company would put mini M&Ms on the market and allow it to exist and persist for over 20 years if they were just M&Ms for people with small hands? Borderline ableist. And offensive to me, a huge fan of the of the mini M&M. My girlfriend and I have come to this conclusion in recent history even that the mini M&M holds a very special place in our heart. It is harder to get your hands on. Great for baking, great for snacking on with popcorn, but it is a different item. Peanut M&Ms aren't just M&Ms with peanuts, they're disgusting M&Ms, you know? Hazelnut M&Ms are not M&Ms with hazelnut filling, it's disgusting M&Ms. Crispy M&Ms are not just rice pop thrown into M&Ms, they're the best version of M&Ms. And mini M&Ms are a version of M&M for people who prefer to go harder or to go heavier on the shell coating and lighter on the chocolate inside. And I just don't understand how someone can be so ignorant to that. But here we are, and I have to work with this guy. But with that said, guys, that's what I've been eating. That's what I've been thinking about in the realm of food. And until next week, don't be shy. Eat pie. And now next we're going to jump into the news. But before I can tell you about the news, i got to tell you about what I've been playing. Guys, that's not how we normally do that. But I thought I'd be spontaneous, like a, rom- like a helpless romantic. Like a hopeless romantic. Now, guys, I've been playing almost nothing this week. <laughs> I've been really bad about playing games. I, I've not been in a gaming mood lately, and it makes me really sad, especially because I do this podcast. When I'm not in the mood to play games, it really stresses me out because I feel like I have an obligation because I do this show for some fucking reason to play games, which is just obviously not true. Games are a thing I love. It's a hobby, and I should play them because I enjoy them, not because I feel pressured to. But for some reason, it doesn't make the fact that I sometimes feel pressured to play games go away. I, I, I didn't really play games this week, except... I tried to play Outriders on like Saturday or something. The game glitched in, in a mission and I can't fix it because it saves. And now like every time I load back into the game, it's like I'm at the end of the mission. It tells me to walk over this guy and it will trigger. I looked up on YouTube. It's supposed to trigger the end of the mission cutscene, but it doesn't happen. Every time I walk up to the guy, it doesn't happen. It just stalls out and just says I need to go up to him and I'm already there. So don't know what to do about Outriders now. I love the game. Kind of glitched out of playing it. So there's that. The other thing is... Thanks to my friend Hunter, who commented earlier in the show, he he let me in on a little secret. He said, "Jesse, got the, got a, got those Xbox headphones. Sent me the link. Got them. I got I finally got the Xbox headset, the new Microsoft Xbox wireless headset. It came in the mail. Target delivered them. They're here. They're in my possession. So earlier this week, I was testing out Halo Master Chief Collection, just trying to play around with the headphones, get a feel for them. I will say, I am by no means an audiophile. I hate that term." I am not very savvy when it comes to music or to audio. And, and the funniest part about that is I used to be in a fucking band and record music and shit like that. That, that just tells you right there how bad I am with music is that I don't even I, I don't even know anything about sound engineering or sound balancing or anything like that. Sound profiling. And, and, and yet here I am obsessing over getting these fucking headphones. But anyway, I got the headphones and I will ju- I will just say this as someone who is a complete layman when it comes to explaining 
the sound profile or the quality of these headphones. I will say this much. The Turtle Beach headset I've been using for about a decade now that I've been actually in the market to replace even before these were announced. The Turtle Beach headset I was using before, I thought were totally fine. They've been falling apart and they've been needing to be replaced and I'm getting really tired of wired instead of wireless. So those are the reasons why I was in the market for a new headset. But now that I have these headphones, I must say, while I can't articulate specifically why these are better and I haven't finished tweaking all the settings and getting them to my specification yet, I will say instantly I noticed that the sound quality and the feature set and everything on these headphones is immensely improved from the Turtle Beach headphones I've been and, and those weren't I know Turtle Beach isn't considered like the best by any stretch of the imagination but like when I bought them you know eight years ago or whatever those headphones were like 140 bucks so they weren't like the top of the line but they weren't cheap by any stretch of the imagination like they were solid headphones and God damn, they just sound like shit compared to these Xbox ones. So I know a lot of people are like, the consensus on these headphones has been like, great feature set, great quality, great value, pretty decent audio, but not the best. You know, to me, as a complete layman, I, I, I feel like they're incredible in every regard. Also, I really love the Surface uh, the surface headphone kind of dial approach where you turn the one knob for for volume and you turn the other earbud for like... um. Uh, balancing between uh, party chat and game audio. I think it's really great control set, really intuitive. Love having wireless headphones. I think they're awesome for 99 bucks. I'm totally happy with them and I can't wait to be in a bigger gaming mood to like really take advantage of them and really get some great use out of them. But so far I'm loving them. I think they're fucking awesome. So that's not really what I've been playing, but that's something about playing video games that I've been involved with this week. So that counts, right? With that all out of the way, guys, I think it's time we jump into the news. We actually have a pretty decent news week and we're already pretty far into the show. So sound notification now. All right, that was a lot of talking. So I took a five minute break, played with my cat, and now we're back at it. So our first story of the day comes from Windows Central, our most trusted source here for all things Xbox and Windows and God, I miss uh, Windows Phone. Anyway, the article reads, The Xbox May update is out now, and a handful of changes that are on their way to the Xbox community. You can look for the update as it becomes available, blah, 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 throughout the day. Highlights of the May update include the following. And the big one is Quick Resume is better. With today's update, Quick Resume should be more reliable and have improved loading speeds. New Quick Resume tag, a brand new tag is being added now that will let you know if a game supports the Quick Resume feature, similar to FPS Boost or Auto HDR tags. Quick Resume Group, a new group that will let players see all the games that are currently being stored in Quick Resume. This is a feature I've been looking for. You can add this group to home for quicker access and open the game straight from your Quick Resume Group. Remove games from Quick Resume using the new Quick Resume Group. Players can finally individually remove games from Quick Resume. This will be useful for potentially problematic games like live service games that want a constant internet connection. Ooh, that's nice. Audio pass-through for media apps. Players with high-end or custom external audio setups can now bypass the Xbox audio chip in favor for their own in-house option using a new audio pass-through option. Game trailers in Xbox Game Pass. Games available through Game Pass will now display trailers uh, when focused on the Game Pass hub, this will make it even easier to discover some of the best games the service has to offer. New dynamic backgrounds or motes in a uh, a new dynamic background being added to the Series X and S. It's a great looking background that will change to match the 
your accent color. Also, they added a new uh, moat or, or a new background that is themed to the original Xbox. So it looks kind of like the old Xbox, like OG Xbox boot up screen. Uh, I haven't seen that one around a lot. I just put it on my Series X, so I'm enjoying looking at that now. Um, the next update is the per title multiplayer permission. Parents can now give permissions to their children playing multiplayer games on a per game basis, blah, 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 through the Xbox Family Settings app. That applies to very few people listening to the show, I'm sure. And then improvements to the Xbox mobile app. Xbox is updating the mobile app on Android and iOS throughout this month with even more improvements like game stats on achievement pages and better reliability for messaging. Yes, game stats on achievement pages. Finally, finally, we're getting back features that we lost like a fucking year ago. This is actually a feature I give a shit about. But no, all that quick resume in particular stuff is is really important because not only is quick resume going to be faster, which is awesome but now we have all these ways to understand it a little better because this is something i've actually struggled with where quick resume has been a really really awesome feature that's kind of like it happens when it happens and i don't really know when or how to expect it so i'll be playing a game like master chief collection and then like oh i'll play a different game the next day and a different game the next day and then i'll play a different game all weekend long and then i'll come back to master chief collection on like the the following wednesday and it'll be like oh it's been like a week since i played this i played a bunch of other games in the time since and then my console will just be like quick resume and just take me back to where i was i was like oh shit i forgot this game was even running and that it had all like it's awesome that's the coolest thing about quick resume for me But it would be nice to have more control over like, okay, what games do I have that are currently like in quick resume or currently taking up RAM or whatever on this fucking console trying to hang out in the background? Like, like, let me take a look at what what all's going on here. And it's 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 nice to have that feature and and also to have the console better indicate which games in your library uh, offer quick resume, because I feel like sometimes that can make a difference. It's like, oh, I'm going to play this game. I probably won't commit to it for more than 20. Like I could see myself being like, oh, I'm going to play Doom Eternal for 20 minutes and then probably put it down and not come back for a month. And it's just nice to know that like wherever I am in the game, it's going to just quick resume it for me, you know, when I come back later. So these are the kinds of things I would look forward to. And, and, and these new features make that an easier and more viable thing. So really, really first world problems, really a nice little quality of life touches, but I think they add up to make a really big difference. And also I think having features like this quick zoom resume app group or whatever is really nice because these are the kinds of things that are really beneficial now while quick resume is a new feature. It's at the forefront of the console generation. And it's a thing only some games take advantage of because these are the kinds of features that are really helpful now when it, when every game is a, does it support this feature or not kind of thing. But it's also the kind of feature you hope that like in the future, like maybe in five years from now, you kind of see this feature go away because we've reached a point where it's just like every game is, is supporting quick resume. That it's just like, no one's questioning whether or not this game or that game has it. So the, I don't know. That's kind of how I view this feature. But in the meantime, you know, for now, I think it's a very uh, much needed and much welcome addition. So this is a pretty robust update. I'm really excited about some of those updates to the app because I used to use the Xbox app all the fucking time. I, I, I was obsessive up until about last year. I was always pretty obsessive about uh, tracking, you know, how like it does like the, the gamer score thing, like the gamer score leader board of the month based on your friends list. I, I love taking a look at that and trying to compete to be in the top three for the month on the, the gamer score leader board. I love being able to look at games, go to the achievements tab. And then it's like, Oh, you spent this many hours in the game. Um, you have this many achievements compared to your friends on this game. You've spent this much time in multiplayer compared to your friends on this game. You've gotten this many headshots in this game compared to the people on your friends list who played it. I, I love those kinds of nerdy stats and I feel like lately they've gotten away from it and, and we need to move back to it because that's, that shit's actually a lot of fun. So I'm glad to see that stuff getting more support again. 
But uh, yeah, tons and tons of updates and shit. Not much to speculate on here. Just a lot to be excited about. But yeah, definitely go ahead. I'm sure a lot of you will be excited to know. On Series X and S, you can get that new background. Live background that is like the OG Xbox boot up screen. That's pretty fucking cool. Alright, next, keeping with good console news. Xbox has launched in the US a console purchase pilot program. In which Xbox insiders can hop on their Xbox One to register for the pilot. And this will give them a shot at reserving the right to purchase a next-gen console when it becomes available. So considering that the distribution of all consoles Considering that the distribution of all consoles, Sony, Microsoft, or even Nintendo, has been super difficult lately, especially over uh, the chip shortage, supply constraints, new console demand, things like that, it's good to see Microsoft doing something about the issue beyond just randomly administering small batches of consoles to retailers at odd hours of the day so scalpers can gobble them up or a few people can be aware of it in time to actually order one. As mentioned in Microsoft's tweet announcement, this is currently only for U.S. insiders, so you know, given that it's a pilot, give it some time. They might ex- expand this to new regions, but this is a really cool feature and something I kind of wish they did earlier in the console's life cycle. I kind of wish this is how they started with Series X and S, um, but I, I love I love this idea that like, so basically the way this works is if you're an Xbox insider, you're probably the insider program, you have the app on your Xbox, whatever, you can go into the Xbox insider app. Right now it's only for US residents, but basically you opt into this and it says like, hey, I want to buy an Xbox Series X or an Xbox Series S. And then they put you in a pool of candidates, and when one becomes available for you, they'll reach out to you at some point and be like, hey, we now have one in stock for you. Are you committed to purchasing it? Yes, no, and then you can buy it. Basically, it's like kind of like a, a long workaround of ordering one from the Microsoft Store, more or less, I assume. But this is a really awesome program because what it does is it prioritizes your most dedicated user base because... See, the, part of the stress, especially about when these new consoles come out, is there almost is this like, like I get it. It's 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 a it's a free for all, right? New console comes out, you put it on the market. Whoever gets it gets it. It, it doesn't matter whether you're a scalper, whether you're a casual fan, whether you're the most hardcore Xbox fan. Doesn't matter. Xbox puts a new product on the market. Whoever buys it first, you know, all is fair, right? I get that. But especially with just the way, you know, the gaming community works and with the, the passion people have for these things, it really does suck that it's like you could be the most like diehard Xbox player, but because there's such short supply of these consoles and because the system is such a crapshoot and you're kind of dependent on these shitty retailers like Target and Walmart having decent websites that don't fucking crash the second a new product goes live, you know, the, the, considering the fact that all these factors play a role in whether or not you get the new console, it just kind of becomes really shitty and mostly for your most dedicated user base so i love this idea that like this program can basically determine you know this user is on an xbox one hardware a piece of hardware you know it's not a series x it's not a one s or one x it it knows it knows or i mean i guess it knows it will allow you if you're on any xbox one console so that's a stupid point but i I love that it can differentiate between the previous gen and the current hard uh hardware and basically just be like okay so i see you're on an xbox one console Uh, you opted in for this. You said you want to buy an Xbox series X and we will give you, we'll reach out to you. You know, you commit to buying it. You say, I I promise to purchase this once available, basically like eBay, I I guess. And then basically they look out for you. And and the nice thing about this is it it eliminates that need to be like, I, I need to find all the correct Twitter accounts that tweet out the second, you know, stock goes back in on amazon.com or I need to follow all the latest web pages and analysts to see what they say about new stock and this and that. It's like, it it takes the second part-time job of trying to find a fucking video game console 
console out of the equation and just leaves it in the hands of Xbox and says, hey, we'll contact you when we got one. It's like, it's like putting a pre-order in and saying, I know you don't have it, but when you have it, let me know and we'll fulfill that pre-order. And I love this because this is a way to take care of, you know, when you're in the situation of like, we don't have supply to meet the demand. We don't have an answer as to when they'll be available. It's a way of still with the situation you're given, prioritizing and taking care of your most dedicated players, uh, despite this shitty situation. And I, I love that personally. I think this is, it would have been way cooler if this is how it was kind of done in the beginning is if like, I don't know, like Xbox series X went for pre-order in like September or October last year. It would have been really cool if like the week before Microsoft reached out and was like, I think Sony actually did something similar to this. So I'm kind of copying them a little bit, but it would have been really, really cool if Xbox was like, Hey, Xbox series X pre-orders go live next week. And we want to give our most dedicated fans the chance to be among the first to purchase it. Because obviously we know it's going to be a shit show trying to get these things. So like, here's the deal. If you're an Xbox insider, opt in and say, I promise I want to buy an Xbox series X when it becomes available for purchase. And then we'll be able to pick, you know, from our most dedicated player base of this program, like people with the highest gamer score, people with the highest kill count and Halo multiplayer, or like use like weird types of metrics that just like little one-off metrics to kind of like show different versions of fandom and be like, here, basically like here, because you've done this, here's a ticket to buy the console. Because you've done this, here's a ticket. Like you could give a certain allotment of tickets to people who've, you know, played X amount of multiplayer matches on Master Chief Collection or people who have driven X amount of miles on Forza Horizon 4 or whatever. You know, these like little things that just show true passion for the brand or passion for Xbox and be like, these are the Xbox insiders we want to support and help get their hands on the Series X because, you know, who's going to be more bummed about not getting the Series X? The scalper who couldn't get their 50th console or the diehard Xbox fanboy who's just really trying to fucking get the new console? You know, the diehard Xbox fanboy or the guy who's like, oh man, you know, if I happen to see one, I'll pre-order one because it's like, it's exciting. It's a hot new item. Everyone wants one. I'm kind of buying the hype, although I don't care that much about the product. Like, who deserves one more? And it kind of becomes this game of like, what if they could take care of their most passionate consumers? Again, this is a perfect example of that pro-consumer thing that that Microsoft is all about, that Xbox is all about right now. And that's kind of how they're buying their way into a more competitive market is through that goodwill over profit thing. Because the alternate scenario is the way this has been run traditionally, the way this was run when the consoles came out, which is more or less like Sony and Microsoft with the release of their new consoles going... Yeah, we know our diehard fans want this. We know everyone wants this fucking thing. But here, here's the here's the fact of the matter. We make as many as we can fucking make. We put them out there to our retail partners and we sell them. I don't give a shit who buys them. We, we're here to make money. Whoever they sell to, they sell to. We make money, you know, off people buying them, whatever. So I know that's like really the, the full extent of their obligation of there is just, you know, selling them to make money for their own good. But these are the kinds of like little extra things like you didn't have to go that extra step, but it means a lot to your player base that you do. And I like I love seeing them do this now, but I wish this is something they implemented earlier in the console generation. But nonetheless, pretty cool. Hopefully we'll see this take off and be successful and actually work out and then be able to expand to other markets. And then you guys in Europe and South America and Australia and Asia can start getting your hands uh, on new consoles through the same program, because let's be honest, should not be limited to just we fine American folk. Anyway, next up, gamesindustry.biz. It's got a little spicy story for us. So earlier this week, Ubisoft held their their quarterly earnings call, and there was a lot of speculation and confusion about one of the statements made. But Ubisoft has 
released a new statement clarifying uh, what their executives meant when they said that the company was no longer aiming to release three to four AAA games a year. The company said in the statement, our intention is to deliver a diverse lineup of games that will pl- that players will love across all of our platforms. We're excited to be investing more in free-to-play experiences. However, we want to clarify that this does not mean reducing our AAA offerings. Our aim is to continue to deliver premium experiences to players such as Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, uh, Riders Republic and Skull and Bones, to name a few, but we also are expanding our free-to-play portfolio to strengthen our brands to reach even more players. In yesterday, in, sorry, in earlier this week's call, Ubisoft CFO uh, Frederick Duget uh, said to said the company was moving away from previous uh, AAA quotas because it quote no longer is a proper indication of our value creation dynamics, but Duget. Uh, added that the company would still put out games in line with people's expectations for AAA games, but added that it is also, quote, building high-end free-to-play games, building high-end free-to-play games to be trending towards AAA ambitions over the long term. Ubisoft has shown an interest in expanding its franchises to free-to-play. Last week, they announced The Division Heartland for PC and consoles, which will be a free-to-play division game. Uh, also launched the free-to-play battle royale game Hyperscape or early or late last year, which came out no one ever talked about, and is readying roller champions for a free-to-play release. This is basically their say, their way of saying they want to kind of nurture some of these free-to-play games to grow into more AAA products, rather than saying we're not going to focus on AAA games. It, it, what it, what it is is it's their this is kind of bullshit because basically what they're saying here is we're not saying we're not going to make as many AAA games as we used to, we're saying our approach to AAA gaming might be different. It might be fewer Assassin's Creed Far Cry straight up one and done AAA game releases. And it might be, you might see some more like free to play games that end up being popular. And then from there they'll invest. Basically what this is saying is if they put out a free to play game and it ends up being like a hyperscape and it flops and no one gives a shit, they'll let it be a free to play effort and move on and learn from their mistake. But if they put out a game, a free-to-play game with no real expectation of what it can be, and then it turns into an Apex Legends, it turns into a Rocket League, it turns into a Fortnite, then they'll invest in it, build the game out, put more updates into it, and flesh it out until it becomes of AAA quality. That's what I'm reading from this story, which is actually kind of more concerning than what people were initially even saying. It's basically their way of saying, we're going to put more free-to-play experiences out there of varying quality and, and effort, and if something becomes promising or catches an audience we will then flesh it out further until it is a full triple a experience and you might see that become a bigger part of our portfolio basically that's like the company's public uh, way of saying we are going to take smaller risks and if we get lucky from there we will invest in the product you know it's like that's like saying yeah we're not going to make another far cry or assassin's creed we're just going to put out some free-to-play mobile bullshit and if one of the games happens to stick and get popular for whatever reason yeah then then we'll throw you a bone and kind of flesh out to be a little more than what it is initially now obviously they clarify yes we're not going away with our tentpole franchises you're not going to see rainbow six and far cry and and and, and division shit just go away completely but what they are saying is that there's going to be a larger emphasis now on some of these smaller or more free-to-play driven games with the promise to make them more AAA should they succeed. I, I don't love that, but at the same time, I personally find Ubisoft to be a company that releases a bunch of I don't care games anyway. I, I've always per- personally viewed Ubisoft as the kind of studio that's uh, the kind of publisher. It's like, oh, I like one or two franchises they work on. Everything else is like I could give or give or take, you know, or take it or leave it rather. And 
so the fact that this is the kind of their approach is like this doesn't really affect me because I still really like Far Cry and really don't give a shit about pretty much anything else they work on. So it doesn't have a huge effect on me, but this does have an effect. This is a, this is a lot for in a lot of ways. This is their way of saying like, hey, if you are a huge fan of Rainbow Six and Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and all these games at once, like, what if we try to do a free to play game set in the Assassin's Creed universe, a free to play game set in the Far Cry universe, and what if it just so happens to stick like Apex Legends, and then from there we'll kind of grow it into something bigger and more special, more and more fleshed out, and. I'm not crazy about that statement, but nonetheless, I think this is kind of where Ubisoft's been trending towards a little bit anyway, and I don't think this is a permanent thing. I think this is the kind of move where Ubisoft is going to get in this environment, see how well they can do, and after a couple of years or a couple of attempts, they're going to either rest on their laurels and go back to their old ways, or they're going to continue down this road if they happen to hit Apex Legends or Fortnite level of success. You know, that's to be determined, but... Nonetheless, this doesn't have me crazy worried, especially because even though all these companies are super greedy and obsessed with trying to get their Fortnite, get their Fall Guys, get their Among Us, they're all obsessed with trying to get that game on their platform, What their version of that. The, the fact of the matter is they're still so compelled to make these AAA games because even though a game like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry cannot do financially what a game like Apex Legends or Fortnite can do, a game like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry is way more guaranteed to be successful for what it is than a free-to-play game. So, you know, they can put out a game like Hyperscape, fingers crossed it becomes the next Apex Legends. It doesn't. It's a smaller investment, but also it's a smaller investment, but also a way bigger shot, you know, or a way harder shot to make, a harder, a higher chance that it won't be a hit. And then they can release the next Far Cry. Well, Far Cry is an established franchise. The last one sold very well. The one before that sold very well. They sell better and better as they release. We know what Far Cry 6 is going to do. It's a known quantity. We know Far Cry 6 is going to sell extremely well. It's not going to. It's not a game as a service, so it's not going to do Fortnite numbers. You know, it's not going to do Apex Legends numbers, but it's going to sell really well. It's probably going to outsell Far Cry 5, and that's going to make a lot of money for Ubisoft, and they want that. So they need to balance the two, and they know that, and that's what they're saying here. Is we know we rely on both. Because the high risk, high reward thing isn't a profitable way to run your company all the time. You need to also have the old reliables, for lack of a better phrase, uh, which would be your traditional AAA game. So you're getting both, but they're also going to try to lean a little heavier and try a little harder to get their Apex Legends. Because boy, do they want that money. And then I, I thought we had more big stories than, the, than we would do, I guess. But our final big story of the week, before we jump into the smaller news, comes from Windows Central. And it reports the Coalition, the developer of the popular Gears of War franchise, has long been at the forefront of the Unreal Engine game development. Of course, from their previous relation with Epic and the franchise originally being an Epic Games game, which is, of course, the Unreal guys. Whatever. Today, the Coalition looks to continue that legacy by moving on to the next-gen Unreal Engine 5 for multiple new projects in the coming years, as the company reports they are working on multiple new projects and moving on to Unreal Engine 5 as their development source. So what does that mean? It means the Coalition has, no, has officially begun to shift resources and teams to the new Unreal Engine 5 instead of Unreal Engine 4 for game development. And it means that development on the already excellent Gears of War 5, or Gears 5 rather, will now start to come to an end. Gears 5 already received tons of post-launch support, and recently with the arrival of the Fantastic Hive Busters DLC, we're now going to start seeing the end of active content support. None of this is groundbreaking. This is to-be-expected information, right? 
I, I don't know. Working with Unreal Engine 5, I know I, I, this sounds hypocritical because I was getting onto the initiative for working in Unreal. I was like, if you guys were Quadruple A Studio, you would think they'd want to use their own proprietary engine and they wouldn't just use some off the shelf engine because, again, they're making a quote unquote Quadruple A game. You know, I'll never not hold Phil Spencer accountable for saying that. But um, with Coalition, I allow for the double standard to exist because, again, the Coalition, these are the Gears of War guys. The Gears of War, War franchise was made by Epic. Epic are the team behind the Unreal Engine. So the history of Gears of War and Unreal Engine is just so synonymous, so hand-in-hand, hand, so history that, like, yeah, what else are they going to fucking work in? Of course that's the engine they use. So that's not a surprise to me. Unreal Engine 5 is incredibly impressive, too, so I'm really excited to see. You know, considering Gears 5 is currently one of the very best-looking video games of all time, you know, Gears 5 running on an Xbox Series X, very few games look as good, if not better, than that game. Uh, so to know that we're now really going to dig into the power of the Xbox Series X and develop using Unreal Engine 5 for the next Gears of War game, whew, that's going to be one hell of a beautiful-looking game. I can tell you that much. Um, and in addition to that, Coalition is talking about how they're working on multiple projects. Now, I know there have been some rumors about Coalition potentially working on a Star Wars game. I don't even want to begin to think about that because, one, it's all speculation right now. There's no substantial rumors. And two, I kind of really hope they're not working on a Star Wars game because I get it. Like, having a Star Wars exclusive for Xbox could be big, but, like, I'm really Star Wars'd out. And the Coalition works on, like, third-person action games, and I feel like so much of what Star Wars has been has been third-person action. I would love to see a Star Wars game just do something different, man. I, I want to see a Star Wars game be, like... I want to see, like, a Force Unleashed in first-person or something. I want to see, like, a fucking Star Wars walking sim. Or, like, bring back... Co I'm not even a big RPG guy. Bring back KOTOR, man. Like, fuck. I'm so... T I feel like every Star Wars game right now is, like, some fucking third-person action game, and I just... I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what the Coalition could do to make, like, a super innovative Star Wars game other than, you know, make a really interesting story, of course. But from a gameplay perspective, I think about what the Coalition's good at, their cover-based third-person shooting, and then I think about, you know, like, fucking Star Wars. I'm like, I don't... I just don't want to. Like, let's not do this, guys. So, I, I, I'm not really entertaining that rumor right now. But, yes, multiple projects, I assume... Multiple projects means multiple Gears of War projects, but I would not be surprised if the Coalition is working on a new IP not related to Gears of War, and I kind of hope they are because it'd be cool to see 343 branch out of Halo a little bit if they want, or Coalition branch outside of Gears of War if they want. Kind of like how we're seeing Playground Games branch outside of Forza and make Fable. And I guess 343 is the one I, I have the least desire for that to actually happen with because 343, again, they're more like, they're not just the guys that make the Halo games. They are like the guys that shepherd the Halo IP. And I guess the Coalition is that for Gears of War as well. But 343 has a very has very much like a Lucas Films kind of thing where it's like they're all hands on all aspects of the franchise. So it would be weird to see them work on something else. But again, like who doesn't want to see new shit from people? It'd be really cool to see what Microsoft's best teams could do if they were allowed to think outside the box and work on a totally new project. So not so much with 343. They're hard at work reinventing Halo right now. But the Coalition, I I don't know. Gears of War is a franchise that has stayed very true to its roots, I, I believe. So it would be if they were to do something new, it would be a lot of creative freedom and liberty taken with that with that step. And it would be interesting to see what the Coalition can come up with when they create something that's completely different from the game 
they they've been working on forever. You know, since the, not only when they were Black Tusk or whatever, but also before that when a lot of these guys worked at Epic or or People Can Fly or wherever they all came from. So that I guess that's where I'm coming from with that. This is a little kind of jumbled the way I'm saying this, but I would like to see them work on something other than Gears, just because I I think Gears has been built into a franchise that can rest a little more and come and go a little more. Uh, infrequently, the unlike Halo, where Halo has been built to be. I don't, do, does it make sense to say Gears of War? If this is all Lucas film, right? Does it make sense to say that if Halo is Star Wars, Gears of War is Indiana Jones? We're like Star Wars is this thing that just doesn't fucking go away. There's always new Star Wars. We're always expanding this universe and exploring new stories, right? But Indiana Jones is kind of this thing that's like it remains relevant and popular even when there's not new content. And I feel like Gears of War is kind of that franchise where it's like everyone loves Gears of War and it's a massively important franchise to Xbox, but we don't always need to have a new Gears of War every two to four years in order to make Gears of War a loved and celebrated and remembered franchise, right? Like Gears of War can go away for a while and then come back when it's ready, kind of like Indiana Jones does, you know, whereas like Star Wars or Halo is like, ah, you gotta, you gotta have a new one. We gotta have the Disney Plus show and then the Disney Plus show about the Disney Plus show and then the Disney Plus show that's a making of about the, the show they made for Disney Plus. And then we got to have the seven movies and then when one of the movies cannibalizes the other, we got to blame someone else for why it didn't do well. And then we got to piss off our fans about everything we do, uh, you know, and then talk about how SJWs are ruining the franchise. Like that's that's the Halo Star Wars thing. So I feel like it's kind of different, but especially with Playground setting the precedent by working on Fable and putting up forza horizon for a second or splitting into separate teams i think it'd be cool to see the coalition do the same also most importantly the thing i'm really skirting around is game pass right like i like i said in the past game pass affords developers the opportunity to experiment so if the coalition wants to maintain 80 percent of the team and work on the next gears of war game it doesn't it doesn't make sense to think that they they wouldn't be able to take a small team that's like 10 to 20% of the studio and work on a smaller new project that is, you know, something a little more of an indie effort, you know, in terms of quant- quantity of people on the project. Make something that's a little shorter and smaller and more contained of an experience and be like, here is a side project from the people that make Gears of War. And it's perfect for Game Pass. Kind of like when uh, Ninja Theory was like, hey, a small team of people at the studio made Bleeding Edge. And even though Bleeding Edge wasn't very good, it was cool because it's like, this is nothing like Hellblade, but a small team of people want to branch off and do something else. And now we're getting multiple projects, you know, Obsidian, they made Grounded. So we're seeing Xbox do a lot of this stuff. So I guess it, it, it's potentially the case that, you know, there's a small team at Coalition right now that's like, hey, we're working on, um, you know, a, a new game set in the Gears of War universe that's completely unrelated to anything you've ever seen before, any characters you're familiar with, or they're working on a whole new game, whole new IP and everything that is completely unrelated to Gears of War. And, you know, meanwhile, the majority of the team is hard at work on Gear 6. So there's a lot of things they could be doing here, but I, w- I would like to see them play around a little more. All right, with that out of the way, with that said, that's going to do it for all of our big news stories of the week. Now it's time to run through our important enough news, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have a handful. I thought we had a lot more news than I guess we do, but nonetheless, let's run through these 
real fast, yo. Xbox Wire reports that DreamWorks How to Train Your Dragon DLC is here. The DLC is out now, so nail down everything you can that you could break by the flick of a tail and get rid of anything flammable. Can lava catch on fire? Let's not take any chances. It has to go. Uh, uh, moral of the story, guys, don't copy and paste press releases, okay? All right. Next up, Minecraft Dungeons uh, has... Uh, we got an update from Windows Central. They relay that Mojang Studios has announced the next Minecraft Dungeons DLC. Hidden Depths is the name. Comes through the Minecraft Dungeons Season Pass, as originally teased by at Minecraft Live. The next DLC is headed to the oceans and will be out soon. Next, Windows Central, then IGN, report on some Yakuza news. Uh, first one from Windows Central. Sega and Ryuga Gotaku Studio have announced a sequel to Yakuza spinoff, Judgment, which came out in 2019. The, game, the new game is titled Lost Judgment. Uh, it's coming out for all the Xbox consoles from Xbox One to Series X. And it will be out in, on September 24th, so pretty damn soon. The new titles made its debut during the Judgment Day livestream. The latest installment in the series stars uh, Takayuki Yagami, and the disgraced lawyer-turned-detective, as he once again attempts to solve the mystery surrounding a grisly murder. And then IGN continues on the reporting and says, in an interview with IGN ahead of the reveal of the, of the latest uh, game, The Lost Judgment, sorry, Yakuza creator uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi and producer Kazuki Hosokawa confirmed that Judgment will be a Ryuga Gotaku's action series pillar, while Yakuza evolves into a turn-based sorry into a turn-based RPG after the success of Like a Dragon. So that's right, the two producers confirmed the continuation of the classic Yakuza-style games will transition to a turn-based RPG. So the the Judgment games are going to continue to be brawlers and have that action gameplay. And the Yakuza games are going to now fully go into like a dragon mode and have that turn-based RPG mechanic. So totally different, totally crazy news uh, for me as a as a new Yakuza fan. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm still on Yakuza 3, so haven't had a chance to get to any turn-based gameplay, but I'm not crazy about that, but not not crazy upset about it either, but that's, I mean, that's some big news. Uh, next up, U Ubisoft has announced in their Q4 2020 financial reporting that pirate ship battle game Skull and Bones will not be released before March 2021, uh, revealing that it has slipped into the 2022 or 2023 release window, uh, which means we can now play the game Who Was the President?, when Skull and Bones was originally announced, because this game has been delayed so many fucking times, it's never coming. Now, next, Xbox Wire reports that Open Country, an upcoming outdoor adventure and survival game, is coming to Xbox One on June 3rd, with all new info and a brand new trailer now out, if you want to go check that out. Next, uh, Destiny 2's latest season, Season of the Splicer, is out now, and with it comes crossplay support, along with a myriad of other season pass-related items and tasks for players to complete. And lastly, EA Play Live, the developer's summer showcase, will return this year on July 22nd. And no one gives a shit because EA Play is torturously painful and cringy each and every miserable fucking year that we get it. So, good for EA, bad for humanity. 
And that's going to do it for all of our news of any regard, guys. Now let's jump into our closing segments of the week, which, you know, we got a couple. Our first one being the new game releases of the week from Xbox Wire, where we go and look at the latest games coming to Xbox for this week, and we judge them off nothing but the title, the release date, and a single screenshot of the game. There are seven new games coming out this week, a pretty manageable number of game releases, so let's jump right into them. On May 12th, which is already coming and gone by the time you're hearing this, Death Crown is out. This game looks like a sketch in someone's notebook in high school running on Windows 95, and I don't give a shit about it. Strategy game, uh, Rift Raccoon comes out May 12th. It's optimized for Series X and S. It's a smart delivery title, but it looks like it's running on 3DS, mimicking a Game Boy Color, so I don't know how impressive that is. Sure Footing comes out May 13th. It is Xbox One X enhanced and play anywhere, and you basically play as a... It's like a platform... This actually looks kind of cool. It is a runner platform game, um... With a cool art style, but you play as a little box. It looks kind of like Hubert fucked Sonic, and I'm actually really into it, and I'm going to look into this game and maybe try it out. Exodemon comes out next. This game also has a really cool-looking art style. Uh, you play as some first-person demon-style polygonal thing, and you attack Doom kind of creatures. And the thing is, his hands look like Halloween costume, but the enemies look like blurry... Um, anime monsters so i guess this is some kind of anime cosplay but karma period incarnation one comes out may 14th it looks like one of those cartoons from from cartoon network like 10 years ago back when adventure time and shit were big so probably see the merchandise for this game at hot topic mass effect legendary edition comes out may 14th it's optimized for the new consoles it's a smart delivery title but i don't know how smart it is to buy a collection of games that have been available through backwards compatibility on xbox for a long time now but hey Mass Effect, big game. People love these games. Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3, uh, up-resed and shit, added some new effects and things like that. I know you guys are excited. I don't mean to take that away from you. Subnautica Below Zero, May 14th. That's optimized for Series X and S, X, S, smart delivery. I thought this game was already out. Why are we talking about Subnautica? Please, please get me out of this. And we are done. That is it for all the releases. It's always nice when there's a small amount of games. Few, few games. Few amount of games. Small amount of few games. Games with gold, you know it. You don't love it, but here it is anyway. Armello is available for the rest of the month. Download that. It's a bunny wolf porno dragon simulator. Dungeons 3 is available May 16th to June 15th. That is a game for people who grew up loving Warcraft 3, World of Warcraft, but are now Xbox losers. Lego Batman, 360 backwards compatible game, available until May 15th, so if you haven't downloaded it, clock's ticking, bitch. You got two days. Tropico 4, available May 16th to the 31st. That's a backwards compatible game as well. Um, it's about the, as much as I can say about that. And guys, with that said, we've made it through another week. A little bit, a little bit of a lengthy episode. I'll probably edit it down, and then we'll get it to a regular hour and a half esque ish length. But guys, I want to say thank you very much for listening this week. Thank you very much for commenting in. We are into the one hundreds now. We are out of the milestone of a hundred episodes. We're I feel like, for some reason, I feel like once you pass episode 100, that's kind of when you're legit, right? Because you're not, like, trying to hit that. There's something about episode 100 that says, like, oh, I'm legit. I've been around the block before. Like, I'm a real podcast. I'm not one of those I'm not one of those 99 and below podcasts that have a chance of, you know, falling off the face of the earth because they're noob podcasts. Like, 101 and higher, that means I've been around. I've seen some shit, okay? You guys remember when, you guys remember when we were calling this thing Project Scarlet? I do. Because we were podcasting about it all the way back in 2019. Remember when we used to not wear masks in public? Oh, I do. 
we were podcasting about, well, not that shit because we don't podcast about that, but it was a thing that happened before, back when this, in, this, in the early days of the show. And that's what I like about Xbox On, is now we've gotten to a point where the show's mature. Um, and the other funny thing I want to mention is how I always told myself the quality of the show, uh, my, my poignancy, my ability to speak succinctly and directly and just kind of offer better food for thought, interpretation of these stories and just kind of analysis. I, I always said those abilities would improve and improve with each and every week because I would just do this every week. It'd be so habitual that I would just get better and better at it. But the funny thing is we're 101 weeks in now and I don't feel like I've gotten better. I feel like the quality of the show, the quality of the content on the show, aside from you know it getting better because more people engage with the show and we have more commenters and listeners, aside from that, I feel like all the stuff on my part has stayed exactly the same in terms of quality and consistency. So, hey, can't say that the show is getting better, but you can say that the show is consistent. So, whether it's good or bad, it's consistent. And with that consistency, I want you guys to use it despite its low power to um, to go to bed at night, put it under your pillow, and and wish to the Xbox fairy. Say, fairy... I, I, I make a, I wish a wish I dream tonight uh, I'll make a wish and dream as dreamers do and all your wishes will power your dreams
courageous in this world. This is why I have.